Welcome to Decision, Decision Space, Space, the only show to take place right here in the space between the turns in your favorite games. I'm Brendan Hansen. I'm Jake Friedman. And this is the podcast about decisions, decisions in games. In this episode, we will discuss timing in board games with respect to tempo, what it is, what it isn't, and why I have tempo, a tempo play, and this game has great tempo, all kind of mean different things. This is going to be a great What We Talk About episode, and I can't wait to dive in with you, Brendan. I'm really excited too, Jake. It's been a while, I feel like, since you know the, the new year, we were delving into sort of top 10 lists, ranking games that we had covered last year, talking about games we were excited to cover this year. So I'm excited to have a return to form to one of our more in-depth topical discussions on just a general non-game focused topic, some of our sort of bread and butter conversations. Get your notebooks out. Decision Space University class is in session. Ooh, let's go. Okay, so why are we doing this episode, Jake? Why an episode on tempo, on timing, on pacing, initiative, all these things of timing? What What is this? Why are we doing this? I think the main reason for this is that we like to talk about tempo, timing, efficiency, and that is a topic that comes up all the time in our Discord. And whenever it comes up, people have different opinions, different takes on what it even means. So it seemed like a perfect opportunity to sort of dive deep and maybe come up with some better understanding, at least internally, of what we mean when we use these words. I think also to just add to that, so often I hear board gamers use the word tempo. And I think oftentimes you hear it used in slightly different ways, where people are sometimes talking about the same thing, sometimes talking about different things. And I think sometimes talking about completely different things to the point that it can be a little bit confusing what specifically people are trying to get at with tempo. So we thought it'd be really helpful to maybe get ourselves on the same page, get everyone else on the same page. And if you've never heard of tempo in games, you're in for a treat because it's a really cool idea about how people do more with less uh, when when they play and how that can be a great advantage. I'll also say that I think another reason we're discussing this is because tempo can mean different things in different types of games. And oftentimes when I hear people talk about tempo in games, I think the conversation ends up being so broad that it's hard to find your footing of what it means in the context of a specific game. So in this episode, we're also going to delve into the specifics of tempo in different game systems to give you better examples and also different types of timing in game systems that often get confused with tempo, which I think is another key thing we'll do in this show. Let's do it. Allegro. <laughs> How long were you thinking of that? I was just over here Googling tempo terms. <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. Okay, so Jake, right at the top of the show, we're going to define the sort of three core types of timing in games, at least as far as we can see. And maybe you have others, but these are the three we're primarily going to discuss in this episode. So we'll talk about them briefly, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about each of them briefly. Then we'll dive into each of them a lot more in depth, talk about uh, when the situation is one of these types of timing. We'll probably spend the most time on tempo. Uh, and tempo is our first one. So Jake, I'm going to let you take a stab at this first, and then I'll jump in after. Thank you, Brendan. So tempo is the big one. And just a dictionary definition of tempo that I think is useful here it is the rate of or speed of motion or activity, pace. And uh, using that in a sentence would be the tempo of life dictated by a heavy workload. And I think that uh, using dictated there with regards to tempo is really important for the board game context. So for a board game definition of tempo, one that I kind of put together that I like, maybe Brenda will disagree with, is doing more than an opponent with respect to time. Efficiency. So that would be uh, either getting more resources in a single action or simply uh, doing more different actions in a single term. And both of those are referring to tempo. Yeah, I think that's a good def definition, Jake. And even more simply, I think you could summarize tempo as just accomplishing more with the time component, whether it's a turn or an action, than your opponents in the game. Or, you know, we'll talk about a little bit the way in which tempo sometimes gets used as like as a noun. Um, so like I have tempo and what that means, right? Because Oftentimes people say they're gaining tempo, meaning they're doing things more efficiently than their opponent or losing tempo, doing things less efficiently than their opponent, which could be a good or bad thing depending on the system, though it's generally better to do more than your opponents. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next one, uh, which is initiative or 
timing. But I think initiative is probably the better term to use this since timing can be more generally applied to all of these terms. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And off what we're grouping into this bucket of initiative is basically the idea that it's instances in a game where going at the right time matters, right? It's acting at the a specific moment is important. So this could be going first, having the first shot at something like getting the first player tile in Azul that allows you to pick tiles first for the next round. Um, or it could be just setting up a situation where there's this large influx of new resources and you're the first player to have access to those things. It's, it's not necessarily respective of other things that have created the opportunity for you to get there. We'll unpick that a little bit because the tempo can kind of get tangled up in this idea, but it is just the idea that you are doing the right thing at the right time. Yeah, it's you're taking a turn in the game when taking a turn at that moment is advantageous for any reason. Awesome. And lastly, pacing, or I think pacing is similar to what people use when they say flow. And I think this one is the furthest outside of the bounds of the other two. Um, when I think about pacing or flow, I think about the rate the game is going. So this could refer, honestly, uh, better to the other definition of tempo, which is the speed at which a passage of music is or should be played. Uh, so I, when I think of pacing or flow, I'm thinking about how quickly the game is whipping around the table, whether that's literally or it feels like it's going fast uh, because you're getting to make lots of meaningful decisions in quick succession. Succession. Thank you, Brendan. Yes, I got you. And I think for me, the, the key here too is the rate of the decision specifically, at least in the context of our show in terms of pacing, right? So how many decisions are being offered to the player on a given turn early on? Is that shifting? Is it changing? Do you have more agency later on? And what is, as Jake said, the experience of that at the table? I think I grouped the first two ideas more into the mechanical side of, of games, right? It's actual specific ways in which uh, time plays a role in the mechanical experience of the game and pacing more as an experiential aspect of playing a game itself. Um, the pacing for different games is going to be different for different players who have a different grasp of a game's decision space. Um, whereas something that is advantageous on tempo in a specific situation, if another player does that same exact move in that same exact situation, it's going to net the exact same benefit, all other things equal, right? So and similar for timing or initiative. So for me, pacing is a much more experiential aspect of timing in games. Absolutely, I love that. Uh, that's a great way of kind of putting it off to its side. It's, and the reason we're bringing it into this conversation is because a lot of times when people say tempo, they're actually referring to this, uh, which is why I think it's important to be brought into this episode and explained in a little bit more detail. So Brendan, what do you say we move on to a more of a deep dive on each of these three topics to hopefully give people a better idea of what exactly it is that we're talking about or others might be talking about when they say tempo? <laughs> I would love to do that. And I think the best place to start is with tempo. And interestingly, a lot of the thinking that's been done in games on tempo, or at least was done originally, really goes back to two core cases. And that's tempo in chess and tempo in Magic the Gathering, where lots of talented competitive players spend a lot of time thinking about how tempo plays out in that setting. And there's lots of good examples from both of these games. But I think the most important one, the simplest one in terms of tempo that you can think about is in chess. And the idea here is very simple. In chess, both players generally have the same amount of turns in a row, right? We're alternating the turns that we take. I go, you go, I go, you go, I go, you go until a checkmate situation is produced or a stalemate or draw happens. But a large part of gaining advantage positionally in chess is about doing more with each of your moves than your opponent does. Even if it's uh, just a tiny bit more, right? So if you can move your piece, if I can move my piece in such a way that it creates two problems for Jake to solve rather than just one, I've created a small advantage, right? And if I can create enough of those situations where my moves are creating more threats than Jake's moves are dealing with them, 
I'm probably gaining advantage in tempo, even though I'm not making more moves than Jake is. We're each taking turns making the same number of moves in chess. If I'm doing more, I'm gaining tempo and I'm building an advantage over time just by being more efficient with the problems I'm creating on the board. Yeah, I think that is a great example of one form of tempo, which is like doing more with respect to time. Um, And another way it could be used is doing more with respect to resources. And I think that brings a lot what tempo is typically thought of in terms of Magic the Gathering, in which you'll have deck archetypes that are simply called like tempo decks. And these are decks that are doing more with their uh, mana and resource efficiency than their opponents can keep up with. So whether that's playing a creature on turn three that's bigger than your opponent's answers are at that time, again, you're you're doing uh, more than your opponent is able to deal with. And in this case, it's simply just by like using resources efficiently. I think this example is really important too because so much of the way that Magic plays out is this tension between really fast decks that want to end the game quickly and slower, more controlling decks that just want to make it to turn 10. And if they can make it to turn 10, their deck is positioned such that they won't lose to the faster decks at that point in the game. They've created this this equilibrium and this balance. They've stabilized the board and then they can win. And that idea is really important, right? Because the player who's playing the rushdown, they're trying to do more with their resources early in the game, right? They're, They're playing cards that allow them to spend more resources in the first 10 turns at the expense of how much they'll be able to do if the game goes past 10 turns. Whereas the players who are doing it more playing the slower game are just trying to survive in those first 10 turns so that they can do more in the future turns. So they're they're playing at a tempo disadvantage early, but at some point they're going to take over tempo more or less because they're going to start doing more in terms of what they can accomplish in a given turn of the game, right? I think you're right. And I don't want to like confound things, but I think like there are two different types of tempo advantage that both exist in Magic the Gathering that are slightly different. I think what you're describing is, yeah, the typical aggro deck strategy, which is doing more with respect to time. Uh, And then there can also be more of, in Magic the Gathering, what we'd like to talk about as like a mid-range deck, which is doing things that's more efficient with respect to mana. So uh, I remember back in my day of competitive magic gathering of like the original Ravnica block, there was like a really strong deck. Uh, I think it was green, white, black that simply played bigger and stronger threats than your opponents could deal with at each point in the game. It had a better thing to play on turn two, a better thing to play on turn three, a better thing to play on turn four uh, that were just like bigger creatures uh, and, and it was really difficult for other strategies to deal with because it would shut the door on the more aggro strategies by simply having these blocking things out. And it was still putting pressure on the longer term control mm. deck strategies uh, because each of those threats like had to be answered or or it would create like a rapid clock of its own. Does that make sense to you? It does. And I'm really glad that you sort of unpicked the different ways in which the two decks are trying to be efficient and how tempo plays into that in terms of time for the rushdown decks, the more aggressive decks, and in terms of overall resource efficiency by the late game once you can get there. Yeah, um, let me maybe just to clarify even further for the efficiency with respect to resources tempo deck, that would be like on my turn. I use three mana to play a four power, four toughness creature. And on your turn, you use three mana to play a three power, three toughness creature, right? I have done more with my resources than you simply put because I have like a stronger creature on the board as a result of my effort. Uh, Even though we both did the exact same thing on our turn with respect to timing. Yep, that makes total sense. I feel like in terms of tempo too, Jake, one shorthand, and I want to know what you think of this shorthand idea. If you ever think I'm really killing two birds with one stone by doing this action, it's probably a tempo play that is helping you gain tempo. Unless your opponent's also killing two birds with their one stone and then you need to kill three birds with your stone or maybe (laughs) four, right? 
Yeah, you, you need a, a real, like a stone Gatling gun at that point. Sure, <laughs> just launching them out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that is a great way to look at tempo as just like a simple heuristic. Like if you can play, and it, of course, we're talking so far exclusively about Magic the Gathering and chess that are two-player dueling games primarily. But this is a concept that can apply to literally any board game. I, I think it does you know, outside of maybe like extreme examples of like a party game or something like that. Like any strategy board game has the concept of tempo can be applied to it. And I think that is one really good way to come to to realize, like, am I making a play that has tempo? If you can point to two advantages that this single move gets you. Um, I think another heuristic could be making a move that, is going to make further moves more profitable. Uh, and, mm. and I think that gets to the two distinct ways that tempo functions. The first, two birds with one stone, is tempo with respect to time. The second, one move that's going to make subsequent moves more profitable is tempo with respect to resources. Awesome. Well put. I feel like now we're getting into, we can pivot into traditional board game examples now, which I think will be helpful to a lot of our audience. And I think we're also just talking about some of the things that lead to confusion in tempo. So I think talking about different aspects of games uh, that can impact how tempo is expressed in the system might be helpful. For example, games where players have agency over the game end are going to have a different way in which tempo gets expressed than games with a set number of rounds, right? If I can do things in the game to advance or speed up how quick the game is ending, tempo is going to play a different role in that game than a game in which we play five rounds and then the game ends and whoever has the most points wins. There are other tempos still exist and can exist in both these games, but they're going to feel different. Another way uh, is obviously the flip side of that is uh, what you said, Jake, are there means to accelerate in the system, right? Is there positive agency feedback? Is it an engine building game? Are there actions available to the player where I can do things now that will make my actions more efficient in the future? If so, if I'm able to do more of those actions early than other players, I'm going to be able to gain in tempo because all of a sudden my actions are just by the nature of the game systems going to be more efficient every turn than my opponent's actions. Absolutely. Can I give you an example of, uh, I guess, tempo in a board game where I think that really kind of like illuminates the importance of this concept? Yes, so please. I, I was recently playing Glenmore Chronicles 2 with my friend Paul Solomon. And that okay. game has a time track, essentially, where you can move as far up the track as you want to take a specific tile, but then your opponent is going to be able to take every other tile behind you more or less to add to their uh, kind of estate, whatever they're building out. And so I think that is a crystal clear example of like how important tempo can be in a game because literally every step more advanced you move than the tile directly one ahead of you, you're giving your opponent the opportunity to take an entire extra turn in the game, which is like a massive, massive, tempo advantage of, of and, it, and it can in that case it can function in both ways it can give you uh right you're being more efficient with your turn because you're going to literally be having more turns in the game and what you're taking the tiles you're taking can create more profitable future actions yeah uh, so so that was like the first time playing it it took me a second to sort of realize that and i was trying too much to take the important tiles that were like fueling mm. what i thought was my strategy and gave up such a huge tempo advance i just got completely blown out of the game systems like that with time tracks are a great example and i'm glad you brought it up too because it's one of the ways in which i think emergently players are invited by designers to spend time as a resource for something in a game uh, which the game doesn't tell you, right? Like, okay, if you move this many spaces ahead, you're going to be spending four turns, essentially, by giving four turns to your opponent. But that's what it accomplishes. So I think that's a really cool way that designers can hide these little timing aspects in their game. I have another example. Um, and that's an example from a game we've been playing recently a lot in our Discord on Board Game Arena, and that's Tigris and Euphrates. 
Um, one way in which you can gain tempo in this game is that Tigris and Euphrates is a tile lane game in which you're trying to collect four different colors of resources. And every time you have a leader that matches a color of a tile you play, you get one of these resources. And at the end of the game, your score is the resource type that you have the lowest on. But if you ever create a, a square where you've played four of the same tile next to each other, you can flip them over and put a monument down that just gives you one resource a turn of one of two different colors. And if you can get those down early, you're going to gain this huge tempo advantage so long as you're connected to that monument. Because instead of potentially gaining two or maybe one uh, new cube on your turn, one part of a victory point, essentially, you're going to get these added cubes just pumped into your system. Tigris and Euphrates makes it really interesting, though, because by flipping the tiles over, you've weakened your kingdom overall. You're more vulnerable to wars and attacks from other players who might try to come and take that monument. So there's just really interesting tension there around pushing for early monuments to get a tempo advantage in a specific color or maybe two, but then putting a target on your back and other players seeing that and wanting to come for you. Yeah, I think a great example as well of yeah how how you can gain tempo in a game uh and a lot of times a passive ability uh is something that when you know just as a a general heuristic right if i if i am playing a game and i see something that's like i can get x resources now by taking this action or i can get this passive ability that's just gonna doesn't give me anything right away but it's gonna help me throughout the game if it's the first time I'm playing a game like Sight Unseen, I will always opt for the passive ability early in the game mm. uh, because I know just from playing so many board games uh, in my life that more often than not, that is going to create a tempo advantage with respect to resource efficiency uh, that is going to you know, be profitable over the course of a long game, more so than an influx in points or resources now. Yeah. Another example that sort of plays into this where there aren't necessarily any passive abilities um, and there aren't even resources that you can spend. The only resource is that one action you get to take on your turn and what you can do with that uh, comes in the form of Azul. Azul, you can gain tempo by being the player at the table who plays more tiles to your board over the course of the game. And to do that, you have to fill up the hoppers that are smaller on the left side of your board, right? Those slots that are just one or two or three uh, tiles to slot into your board. If you can more reliably fill those in around than your opponent, eventually you're going to potentially, if you do it more efficiently than everyone else, just play more tiles to your board and you'll have gained some tempo uh, by more effectively getting tiles into your scoring area and then getting more tiles into your scoring area it's going to give you this cumulative effect versus someone who's maybe taking larger groupings of tiles, but you're not necessarily at round end scoring as often because you're trying to fill in the four and the five slot in Azul, trying to get those scoring opportunities. Azul is such an interesting example because you're right. You're talking about tempo with respect to... So I'm, okay, I'm now I'm getting confused. Let's unpick, okay. let's unpick Azul. So I think it's a, a good example because when I see Azul, I think like, if I can take four tiles or three tiles with this action, right? When I'm picking tiles, like the more tiles I take, that is more efficient with respect to time. I'm doing more on my turn than my opponent will be able to do on their turn. Yes, but, right? That's the trick of Azul. If you take more and you have to convert the more that you do on your turn, right? It doesn't matter if you take four and you put them into the five and they never score, right? So if I can turn over my rows more quickly than you, I might take fewer tiles overall, but the tempo comes, that's the, you have to take more tiles overall, but only enough so that you can score more overall, right? It doesn't matter if, if you take 40 tiles over the course of the game and I take 35, but I score 17 tiles and you score 14 because I'm more efficient with regards to them getting into the scoring. I'm the one who's ahead on tempo, not you. But I think that we're talking about two different things, right? Like, okay. a, like it's tempo with respect to time is taking more tiles out of the middle on your turn. Okay. And it's tempo with respect to resources, which is like scoring them more efficiently. Mm. Like I'm doing okay. more with the resources that I have than you yeah. are. And ideally you want to do both, 
in a game totally. of Azul. And I think, you know, that challenge, because so often on a turn, you'll have to pick one or the other. Do I take more tiles here? Or do I take fewer when I can like slot this in and then score? And I think to play the game optimally, you have to be considering both forms of tempo at all times. And why Azul is also such a great example is because of that going first tile also invites you to gain an initiative advantage, something we, we're not deep diving on yet, but gain an soon. initiative advantage soon uh, by giving up tempo, right? You could be the player who takes first from the center when there's just one tile there to get that going first tile because it's very strong uh, and give up a little bit of tempo in terms of your the timing component of your play to be able to have first choice next round. So, so much of Azul is about how these different types of timing and games and different types of tempo come together. I think we've done a pretty comprehensive job about talking about like what tempo is with respect to these two different things. And I'm also wondering now that we're in this conversation, if it would make sense to say like tempo with respect to like resources, which is, you know, this, this type of efficiency and tempo with respect to turn rather than mm-hmm. tempo with respect to time, because in both cases, tempo is like gaining, doing more with respect to time. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think that it makes sense, though ultimately, I think there will be pushback because I think time is a resource, right? In every game, the, the whole idea, it's just hidden, the idea that time isn't a resource. I see what you're saying. But if you're being efficient with resources, mm-hmm. like that's still time. Sure. You know, you're that's still, you know, in both cases. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're right? saying. Right. It's like still yeah. like doing more on your turn than somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think like we're, we're pulling these apart, but they're both tempo because it both gets back to that same idea. Right? Yeah. They're ultimately the same. If they're just yeah. manifesting in slightly different ways. Ultimately the same thing. But I do think kind of that nuance of like how we can, when we're talking about games now and in the future, like pull apart, like how tempo is manifesting here uh, is still useful and interesting. But really, you know, I think it's clear to me that the way I want to think about tempo moving forward is gaining an advantage in a game over your opponent. And this could be even a, a cooperative game. Like you could be gaining an advantage like over the game with respect to time. I was actually gonna bring up Spirit Island because so much of the cooperative game of Spirit Island is how efficiently can you use the cards in your hand on a given turn. And that card efficiency is what's gonna allow you to deal with the threat of the invaders on the island most effectively. And you can fall behind if you use too many of your actions inefficiently because it's just, I I don't have anything better to do, I have to do this right now. That can cause you to slip behind and get overwhelmed. Right, so now I feel like we're in a pretty clear place about what tempo is, but I'm just going to tangle us up in knots because like, I Great. have to ask this for myself, which is like, so is tempo, Brendan, just efficiency? Is tempo just efficiency? Yeah. I think no, because, okay, wait, let me think about it. Let me think about it. Hmm. I did put that in my definition of like yeah. doing more I... than opponent with respect to time, semicolon, efficiency. I think that it is, but I do think that it's really important to make the point that tempo can't be totally distangled with the timing component of the game. I think that a big aspect of this, right, is we talked about the summon patchwork a little bit, actually. And I think that it's important sort of in terms of you have to take into account when in terms of what you're doing happens. You could have like an incredibly efficient play in terms of something that you're doing in the late game that maybe in terms of timing is really inefficient overall, right? Like maybe you, maybe this is a game system where like you luck into this card that lets you do something uber efficient that has nothing to do with the timing component of the game. And I don't think that that is necessarily a good example of tempo, right? Even, even though maybe this random card that you get is super efficient, if it didn't have to do with like an early advantage, I don't know that it's necessarily a tempo play. It might it might gain you a small amount of tempo in the system. But do you see what I'm trying to get at a little bit? I do see what you're trying to get at. And it's like such a nuance difference. But I think yeah. you're right. Efficiency does not have to have a time component to it. However, in board games, 
like there is always a time component yeah, to it. Yeah. And that's why it gets like really easy to like confound these two things. Just for our audience, I looked up the definition of efficient. <laughs> so, nice. And that was helpful to me. So it's uh so especially of a system or a machine, it's achieving max maximum productivity with minimum wasted effort or expense. So so you could have two things producing the same amount of resources mm, in mm. the same amount of time, but one is like more wasteful in some other aspect that would be less efficient, even though same amount of time and same output. Yep, totally. I think this is a, a potentially a, a great example of how these things could be unbound is if you had a system in a game where the game is always 10 turns, but you are given halfway through the game, like this huge influx of, of gold or something, this resource that's so advantageous, it's so large that you could never spend it all. I think so that might be an example where you could do something later on that would be really efficient in terms of maybe you could spend three turns or you could spend 20 gold or something. So this example where you could be efficient in terms of time early or in the late game, you could just spend gold to do it. So you could be being really efficient later on, but not gaining any tempo necessarily. Do you, I'm now I'm just talking so nebulously that it's probably not even helpful. But I, I'm trying to say that I do think that they're different slightly because yeah. it's temp, it's efficiency with regards to the timing component of your game, and time is a resource, so it gets all tied up. Right, I think you're right that they are different, but I think like 99% of times yes. in board games, it's going to mean the same thing because time is always going to be one limited. component yeah, yeah a limited resource as you said time is always a hidden resource in games and I'd, I'd love to hear if people have like examples can think of examples of games in which efficiency and tempo are unbound um I, I mean i can maybe like a game like this is just totally spitballing but like maybe a game like sidereal confluence where it's like you mm. can like have mm. like more efficient uh like conversion things that I only played this game once in front of you, but it's real time on your turn. So it's like, you could just like make as many trades as, as, as humanly possible. Um, and then, and then sort of like convert. So in that uh, sense, like trading opportunity, like really truly is unlimited. I mean, it's bound yeah. by a literal sense of like a 10 minute time limit, but you could do a thousand trades in that time. If, if you like could or wanted to. Sure. I think that you might be to. one. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Let us know in the Discord, which we always link in the show notes, if you if you think that makes sense. Uh, if you're utterly and totally now confused by this conversation, we'll be continuing that there as well, and I would encourage you to join us. But I do think, you know, going back to the first examples of tempo, we brought up chess and Magic Gathering, uh, where like having tempo has an explicit meaning. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, that is a slightly different thing than efficiency, too. But that's also because those are things that have like been like created and like collectively understood by those audiences. Yeah. But I still think, you know, and I think some people might push back on this like more general definition of tempo that we're coming up with here, which is like accomplishing more with your turn and action than your opponent, because it has like a, such a specific definition in those contexts. But I think like when you, take a step back and look at like how those definitions were created, like what those definitions truly mean in the context of those games. It really is sort of the same idea that we're presenting here more generally. I actually think that going back to Magic the Gathering really quickly could be helpful for unpacking the difference. And then we have to move on to initiative. But I think that you could imagine an example, Jake, where on turn three, on turn three you're playing a rushdown deck and you throw down a creature, you spend three mana, you get out a, a nice, you know, four three attacker who's going to get in for four damage next turn great really efficient play for you i play down a three mana enchantment that's going to get me even more mana in four turns it depends the answer is who is more efficient on their turn the the response is it depends on how long the game goes because if you can beat me before the game goes to turn five or whatever when i get this huge mana payoff you were more efficient but if i can make the game go longer i was probably more efficient Obviously, this is an Abbas example, but do you see what I'm saying? I, I think that, that's a really good example. In that example, it totally depends on the length of the game. And, and that's why the efficiency isn't the only thing that matters there. But let's talk about initiative. 
Well, the other ones are going to take less time to talk about. But That's true. Okay, okay. I do. I want to stick on tempo for a second. Uh, I know we've been talking about tempo now for 30 minutes, but it's interesting. And I think, you know, that's a testament to like how interesting and, you know, relatively unexplored, at least to us, uh, this concept is. I, I So I think we talked about what it is, but I want to like talk a little bit more about like what the benefits of tempo mm. are. And I want to like start off with a real world example, which okay. is because it's been too long. I want to bring it back to our bread and butter, Brendan, a sports example. Okay. Okay. To help you understand uh, what tempo is. So I grew up playing a lot of soccer. Yeah. And people who really love soccer are going to probably just like not be super happy with this example. But I think there, I think there can be like two general plans of attack in soccer to just like distill mm, mm. all the way down to a, a very, very rudimentary un- understanding of the game. Can I uh, guess? Yeah. Okay. There's, I'm going to try to score a goal really quickly and then play hyper defensive and keep everyone back and just be at a one point advantage. And there's just, that's pound the goal. That's pound the ball. That's always be trying to score. No, that's not right. Dang that's it. not what I was going to say. Okay. say. It's like, there's two types. One type is playing possession. Where you're just constantly mm. trying to hold on to the ball. You're passing the ball all around the field. You're swinging it back to your defenders, swinging it across the field, uh, prodding forward a little bit, waiting for their defense to shift. Then you're swinging the ball back, swinging it around, and just like slowly, you know, moving the ball, holding onto it, knowing you're safest with the ball in your possession, uh, and and waiting for an opportunity to like present itself. And then there's playing soccer with tempo. And that Mm. is looking to attack. You could also call this like playing direct. You know, you're dribbling Mm. at your opponent. You're pushing the ball forward at all times. And it does a completely different thing when you're defending in in these types of games. Uh, When you're playing against a team that's playing direct, playing with tempo, and a team that's possession. When you're defending a team that's just possessing the ball, it's incredibly frustrating because you don't have the ball, you want it. There's, it's sort of like they're stalling and, and taking a long time, but you you have much more of like ease of mind of what's going on. Uh, you you can it's it's a little bit easier at times to like keep your shape defensively because mm-hmm. like you're not under threat. Like you can kind of shift as a team and you sort of know what's happening, like what the ball is going, where the ball is going next. Whereas when, when you're playing as a team that's like attacking you really directly, you know, dribbling with you, there's really a sense that like, you know, we are under duress and like people panic, people make mistakes. Like you might, where normally you'd be comfortable, like sitting in a, a strong defensive position and waiting for the opponent to come to you. You might feel like I have to like try and win this ball now. And you end up like diving in to try and make a tackle. And then they are able to like beat you on the dribble or you foul them and give them a really dangerous opportunity to score. Does that make, do you, are you understanding this example? It does. And I think the reason why this example works, and a lot of people are going to think that this is a great example, is because I think it goes back to what a lot of people cite as being an example of tempo, which is setting the pace of a game. And I think everything that we said before is an example of setting the pace of a game in terms of efficiency, because you're setting a mark by which everyone else has to be measured to win an a quote unquote ortho board game where everyone is competing to for rank based on points. And in soccer, it makes sense because you're setting the pace of the game literally. And you're also trying to do more with the time that you have the ball and have agency, right? If I can just score in the 10 minutes, I have the ball twice and you have the ball for 30 minutes, but you never score. I've done more with my time, with my action than you have. And it's an example of me being up on tempo, even though maybe I'm playing uh, I haven't had the ball as often. Yeah. And the general like feeling I'm trying to convey with this example is that like tempo creates pressure on your opponent. Yep. Which I think is what you're talking about too. And that is, you know, in a it's really obvious in a two-player dueling game like chess or magic the gathering, like when you're under pressure. You know, if your opponent plays small creatures on their first three turns of the game and you don't have any defenders out you feel under pressure because they're attacking you and you're going to die very soon you know they have this clear tempo advantage i feel that pressure you know if your opponent is you know has attacks on two of your pieces in a game of chess like you again you're feeling that pressure in the game and i think the same thing is true in multiplayer games too uh though 
it often will be like less under individual duress, depending on the type of the game. But you might say like, oh, wow, like that person's already this close to this objective. Like I have to find a way to stop them or they're going to get it. Uh, and I think that's the way like this, that kind of like tempo manifests as an ad advantage experientially in games. I think it's so important too to expound on this a little bit. What is pressure? Pressure is a, uh, it means that your opponent is forced to consider something about your actions or change something about their actions to respond to what you've already done. And I think one of the reasons why people get confused about tempo often are there's different ways that systems can allow you to put pressure on your opponents, some of which might be because you've created a tempo advantage that's putting pressure on them to be more efficient and other ways don't have a lot to do with tempo. So a good example is from a recent game that we played, Palaces of Carrara, where if you place a building into a location first, you create this sort of pressure on the board, this advantage, but it's not necessarily tempo if you haven't done more with that action than your opponent is doing with their actions to create pressure back. So it can you might feel pressure there, but the tempo might still be fairly equal if you're doing actions on your turn that are creating a similar amount of pressure on your opponent elsewhere. And I think that's an important distinction between untying this knot between like, oh, this person's ahead on this track, so they have tempo. I think the answer is maybe, but have you done other things with your actions that have created as much pressure in the system? And if so, you're probably tied in tempo and no one player is, is ahead. And that's a really important distinction, right? It's about the system overall. And some games, the systems are, are disparate, right? There's two different zones of play. We're doing something in this zone A on the right and the zone B on the, the left, and they don't interact. And sometimes tempo can go between them if my actions can go into this a side or this B side, uh, and I have to choose, or if they're set, maybe like I have tempo in A and you have tempo in B because you've been more efficient in B and I've been more efficient in A. And tracks can play into that as well. And I think it's so important to, to untie that. Yeah. And also, of course, the end of the game can matter a ton, right? Where it's like, oh, that person's ahead. And if the game's ending this turn, that really matters a lot. <laughs> but if the game is ending four turns from now and you're doing more of an engine building strategy versus their rush, then you know maybe you're okay, or maybe you you're the one with the big advantage, and they're feeling a lot of pressure, like oh I gotta like get to this game end condition, or else I'm gonna be overtaken. Yeah. Um, so you know it can manifest in a ton of different ways. So I think that is a lot on tempo, a topic worthy of continued discussion, absolutely. But I hope that gives people at least a better idea of of what we're talking about when we talk about both tempo and efficiency in games. I would love to talk about initiative now and timing. I'll allow it. <laughs> because it might, it might help unpick some other examples. So I'm just going to jump into this with uh, an example. And again, this is the idea that going at the right time matters. And you might spend tempo. You might do something inefficient now to be able to go first later. So I might give up a tempo advantage, right? I might take a sub... Uh, an action that is less efficient than whatever action Jake is going to take to make sure I have a broader set of options. That's probably initiative. One great example of this is Keyflower. Keyflower allows player to bid for turn order uh, and also to select, uh, it also allows them to bid for what order you get to pick the boats in. Um, so I can choose to bid any number of my precious worker meeple resources to be able to pick boats first. Um, so I might give up meeple tempo by bidding three meeples, which is a lot in Keyflower, uh, to be able to pick boats first because I need a special tile. I maybe have given up a little bit of tempo in terms of meeples to gain initiative over who is picking boats. I haven't gained initiative on or tempo on boats because I did that. I just get to pick first. Right. And I think, too, that efficiency is key here as well, because generally picking first is going to allow you to take an action that's going to be more efficient. Like with the example of like the boats uh, with your scoring or with the buildings that you have sure. here, right? So I think it does kind of get into that, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I also want to point out that I don't think that these things are, I don't want to present it as though these things are opposite. Like you have to give up tempo to gain no, initiative. No, no. In, yeah. in many cases, like playing more uh, uh like having tempo in a game also gives you initiative sure in the game 
Uh, so it can, I'm trying to think of an example where uh, having tempo gives you initiative. It might just be, you know, in, in some, maybe in like Magic the Gathering, like it gives I have you. A good one. Okay, you do yours. Okay, that's Castles of Burgundy, right? If I can, uh, Castles of Burgundy has this mechanism where there's this shipping track that controls who goes first. I'm, I'm correct, right, Drake? Yes. If I'm spending my dice uh, without spending workers to be able to build ships and just build buildings generally more often and I get further ahead, if I can reliably stay ahead on that track, the shipping track, I'm going to go first more often. That's going to give me initiative. But if I can get access to those tiles without spending my workers to change the dice, I have done so by probably gaining tempo if I'm not spending any workers to be able to go up on this shipping track. And then also going first because I did an aspect of the game more efficiently with regards to tempo. I think that makes sense too. And just to put a cap on it, right? Going first allows you to take tiles that you don't have to use workers on uh, because they'll be more available when you're making that choice. So, you know, uh, there it really does create this kind of virtuous cycle where you're Mm -hmm. getting a benefit from going first and that benefit from going first is allowing you to play more efficiently on your turn. Yeah. uh, Doing which is giving you a tempo advantage over your opponents that are being forced to play less efficiently, which in this case, as an example, means they're spending workers to play tiles. If there's ever a system where um, there's a large influx of new resources or uh, in terms of our types of decision spaces, we've talked about these sort of punctuated waning decision spaces, right? Where the game is going and it's your decision space is shrinking over the course of the game, but every once in a while there's this huge input of new options and opportunity. Oftentimes, if you can do something within the system to be the player who is the first choice right after one of those things, it's probably an instance of initiative, right? Where the decision space opens up a bunch. If you can be the player to act first, that's an instance where initiative is mattering and having it would be good. Definitely. A great example of that is underwater cities where three times throughout the game, you'll you'll take back all of your basically action placement tiles and that means all the uh, action placement spots are now available so Mm. if you get to go first in at the beginning of the second age or the third age uh no sorry it happens three times within each age um well now i'm getting confused you know it is yeah yeah yeah. three times so yeah being able to go first at the beginning of any of those turns when all the action placement spots are available can be absolutely huge especially towards the end of the game where there might only be one or two Uh, end game scoring cards left you know being able to go first so you can like secure one of those or like at the very end of a round being able to secure like the tile that allows you to like upgrade a bunch of your buildings right before production can be like absolutely huge pivotal moments in the game where you will gladly give up uh, the tempo advantage to take the space that like moves you ahead on the turn order track in order to have a more efficient action on the following turn Yeah. Another great example of this, I think a game that is completely opened up and really its decision space is so much more rich because it gives players agency over initiative uh, is El Grande. In El Grande, you have a hand of cards valued 1 to 15 uh, and you never get them again. Once you play them, you've used it, right? So whoever plays the highest value card gets to go first. Um, so playing your high value cards and getting the initiative over the, this, that round of the game can be highly important. And you, you have to know when is the right time in the game to do it. So, so much of the core of El Grande is about skill testing players on knowing when having initiative will matter most. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think initiative is really interesting. And as we talk about it, I'm realizing that like, initiative when it matters is always i shouldn't probably use always but is almost always followed by a question of efficiency yeah like the times you want initiative is because it's going to allow you to either definitely be more efficient on that next turn when you're using that initiative advantage or at least, you know, it could be the option where like, okay, the market is going to be refilled. So going first means I'll have like the best chance of being more efficient, even if you don't know exactly what options are going to be available on the, you know, other side of that decision space horizon. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really good point and insightful about why these things also tend to get confused because they lead into each other. 
right? Right. Even though they're not the same thing, they do impact each other really meaningfully. Yeah. And if you just zoom out, right, instead of thinking of it as two separate terms yeah. and think of it as like those two things at once as like a play yeah. of like doing something less, giving up a small amount of tempo on one turn so that, you know, the the, na- the next step, the execution of that play is to do something that's going to create a lot of tempo to like more than make up for that small disadvantage. And you think about that as a, a one singular play, then it, that is a tempo play. It just has like two distinct parts. Yeah, definitely. So I think that also could be a reason why there could be a, a lot of like confusion when somebody says like, oh yeah, yeah, that was like a great tempo player. Like that gave me tempo. And you're like, well, hold on. Like we can actually like parse that further. <laughs> totally. That's... Maybe only we in the whole world are interested in doing that, but... <laughs> I think there's a lot of other people who are interested in it as well. That's maybe now's the point to talk about pacing or flow. I think we should. I I think pacing, flow, whatever you want to use are kind of simpatico, right? It's the same yeah. idea. And and I think this, correct me if I'm wrong, it, is, is quite a big distinction from the other two, which are talking about like game mechanics, game tactics, uh, and, and could honestly be used as like a, a thing to like study in a game to improve. Mm-hmm. Like where did someone gain tempo? Uh, you know, what are important moments in the game to have initiative and so on and so forth. This doesn't really have to do with that at all. Uh, it's just construed as a similar thing because a lot of times people will say tempo to describe this term when they really shouldn't. And that's simply like the experience of how quickly a game moves around the table. I think an example of tempo being used wrong might be if someone said, oh, this game plays with a really good tempo. It's not that they're using the word tempo wrong. I think they're just using it in a different way that's confusing in the context of people talking about tempo in games. And generally what they mean is it's a game with really good flow, right? The decisions are going quickly around the table or the pacing is interesting. Absolutely. I, I It's interesting too, because sometimes a game with really great flow can be a game that has like a lot of downtime between turns. Like A Feast for Odin is... Uh, a game I've been playing a lot since it's now on Board Game Arena. And I also recently played it for my birthday, uh, which is like, it can, it's a thinky game. Like there could yeah. be a lot of like AP, but there's so much to think about between turns and the fact that you can like organize and do your own little puzzle of placing items on your personal player boards and exploration boards and sheds. <laughs> and uh, while they're doing that, you could be like constantly tinkering it means like you're always able to like think about something and have fun so that even if it takes like five minutes or whatever as people take their turns to get around back to you like you you look up you're like wait whose turn is it and they're like it's yours that's such a cool mechanic in a game too that you can fiddle with how you're putting the polyomino pieces together on your board during your downtime because it's not time restricted uh, if you want to put it there you can put it there i just think that's such a cool mechanism in a game in general just outside of this conversation even Though I guess it does play into directly what we were talking about with pacing and flow. Um, Another important point is this is dependent on group, right? Like our experience of, I I sort of said this previously, but right, like our experience playing a game that we know really well, the pacing and flow of that game is going to be different than if I introduce it to a new group or if there's a different group with a totally different social contract that they, when they play, it's really important that turns clip around the table. So everyone feels this sort of passive pressure to not take, five minutes or 10 minutes to select a tile. Whereas when, you know, my wife and I play our morning game of Cascadia over coffee, we're totally okay with saying, okay, we're going to spend three or four minutes to take a turn if we need to. And that's fine. I have a friend that is really into board games here in St. Louis. um, And he talks about playing games like on tabletop simulator with like his friends from college that don't live around here. And the way he talks about games, like, yeah, we played Scythe. It took us like six and a half hours because we were just like all like, you know, talking, like telling stories, drinking beers. Like my friend is like getting really like getting drunk, like writing up a strategy on like a whiteboard and like putting it up behind him. And it's just like, and he's telling me this story and just like with the biggest smile on his face, like, you know, about like this like amazing night he had with his friends. And I'm just like, man, like, I don't know if I want to like play games with you because that's just like so far from what I'm personally looking for in a game. That's 
but yeah, no, totally. But there's obviously nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's what they love and are, you know, and everyone there is having an awesome time participating in that way. I think that's so cool. And it does highlight who we are and how we approach games because yeah, it kind of sounds like a nightmare, but also on the other hand, it's so cool because it's this group of people using a game as like the social setting for their entire night. Like to them saying that's play scythe. They were like, let's go exist in this space for as long as we can make it. And the longer it is, the more fun we've had. Whereas you and I are like, well, we could have played three games, but yeah. I think that's so cool though. In, in a totally I'm different like way. like snapping at people, like take your <laughs> turn, like tell a story on somebody else's turn. Like <laughs> so funny. That's awesome. I'm really glad you told that story. What are, you, what are your closing thoughts on tempo, initiative, pacing and flow, time in general? What, what do you want to, how do you want to put a cap on this discussion yeah of the clock i think timing in board games is often one of the most important aspects in a game for like understanding how to succeed at that game so i think if that's something you're interested in like learning how to improve at games in general or like a specific game that you could hardly find like a better topic to like focus your your study on than like what in this game is creating tempo? Uh, what in this game is creating like efficiency with respect to time? What's creating efficiency with respect to, to resources? Uh, what's creating efficiency with respect to my turn? And so I think like it's incredibly important. And I also think it's something that is like far too often not discussed when people talk about like strategies in games. Uh, you know, it's focused on like the blocking and tackling to use another sports <laughs> reference of, you know, what encompasses this strategy? Like, what are you trying to do if you're like doing the strategy? If you're going for like big kelp in underwater, underwater cities, cities, which is like a known strategy, you know, the people talking about the strategy would say like, oh, well, like you'd want to like build a bunch of kelp and like upgrade it. But like what's missing in that is like any concept of like time. Like why are these things efficient like what does having kelp early do for you in the game and like what does it allow for you to do uh, later in the game like what type of pressure is that exerting on your opponents and by exerting that pressure like what sort of like does it free you up in a way to like create uh, initiative in other situations because you don't have to worry about the kelp and you're getting some points for that so i just think it's an infinitely interesting and like vast topic to continue to explore in all of our game discussions and yeah it's it's i mean i don't think you can overstate how important it is and how interesting it is to the games that we love to play yeah i think so often the games that we play we don't often there's so many reasons why people play games and i think one of the things reasons why i play games is to learn things and so often whether it's just i don't know just passively and so often life is about trying to do more with less, right? And tempo is a really interesting instance in games where game designers invite us to do the most as possible with the least we can. And I think that's cool and interesting. And I'm realizing through this discussion that it's a muscle I like to practice flexing through playing games. And that's cool because time really is our most precious resource in life in general. Uh, so with that, I wanna thank everyone for listening to another episode of Decision Space. Um, you can find, Jake doesn't know this yet, but we are going to put two interesting works on tempo in chess and Magic the Gathering that we read. One of them is just a Wikipedia article. Uh, another one is a great write-up on tempo and Magic the Gathering. The first one is about tempo and chess. Uh, in the show notes, just more reading, food for thought if you'd like. Jake mentioned the Discord during the show. We have an awesome community of people uh, pre-planning and playing games together there. If you're interested in that, playing games on Board Game Arena asynchronously, uh, playing roll and write games using pictures that we're uploading and other fun stuff like that, uh, come to our Discord. Also, if you would like to learn more about Decision Space, you should check out decisionspacepodcast.com. And if you want to support the show, you can do that on our Patreon by going to decisionspacepodcast.com slash Patreon. We've already put some of the patreon money that we've gotten from the community of awesome listeners like you to improve the show by increasing the quality of our audio editing software that jake uses every week as he puts in hours uh working hard to make sure we sound as good as possible uh i think you can find the show elsewhere find us on twitter find us on board game geek there's not much more to say thank you for listening to decision space oh games jake, next week pre-planners we're gonna cover cascadia Woo! It is a, an abstract tile lane game. 
published in 2021. It's by designer Randy Flynn. It is hot, hot, hot right now. The number one abstract game of all time, according to Board Game Geek users. See what Jake and I think about it. The week after the that, the number what abstract game? The number one. The what number the heck? One. That is, is insane. <laughs> More yeah. on that later. So we'll get into that. See what we think, and then we're going to cover uh, a little roll and write game known as Cartog- Cartographers. There's an app for that if you'd like to play. Uh, you find it on your devices and come and discuss all these things with us in our discord so we'll be back next week with that episode on cascadia and thank you so much to hembry for their hit song reach out it's our intro and outro song it's a banger i hope you enjoy thanks bye